0: That you fail in your first one. And I said, because the reason you fail is that if you fail in this one, then you've actually got a greater, you'll actually lose more in the long run. And he went, well, what happens if I, what happens if I lose and I don't start again? I said, well, you're never meant to be successful anyway, because it's actually about failing that actually makes you successful.
1: That was Janine Ellis, the founder of iconic Aussie business, Boost Juice. And Janine has Backbone. G'day everyone, I'm David Boyer, the Founder and Managing Director at Sequel CFO, accountants and advisors that act as your right-hand person driving success in your business. Backbone is brought to you by Judo Bank. Finally, it has arrived, a bank dedicated to lending to Aussie businesses. In this episode, Janine is going to tell us why failing matters why making the same mistake twice is not okay, and how important it is to have the right people in your team as a leader why it's on you to make sure that happens. I hope you enjoy the show. What's going on in the Australian business world at the moment, everyone's getting excited about startups and you're kind of a big responsible, you're really responsible for that because you had this boost success story and then a shark tank comes out and everybody's excited about this. Um, why are people so addicted to the sexiness of startups?
0: It's the blue sky, isn't it? It's having that control of your own destiny. It's the thought that, you know, it's going to make you billions. You know, you're going to be the next Elon Musk or, you know, one of these incredible people that sort of has an idea and then start. But it's it's interesting when you meet startup, you know, they you get in and they go, my business is worth... Ten million dollars. You're like, oh, okay, so what's your profit? Well, we're not making profit, we're burning about fifty grand a month. You go, oh, okay. But it's there. And then you get them three years in and business has beaten them down. And they've, you know, they've had their ups, and they've had their downs, they've more downs and ups in the first three years. And then you see the reality coming through. So it's really interesting. My son actually is starting his own business now. we were sitting in the car yesterday and he said it's, I'm going to have a dollars by this time next year, and then someone will buy it for five hundred thousand. I just laughed, and he said, "What are you laughing at?" I said, "Well, my hope for you, honey, is actually that you fail in your first one." And I said, "Because the reason you fail is that if you fail in this one, then you've actually got a great You will actually lose more in the long run." And he went, "Well, what happens if I... What happens if I lose and I don't start again?" I said, "Well, you're never meant to be successful anyway, because it's actually about failing that actually makes you successful."
1: Is it about failing or is it about learning? And Because I see a lot of people saying it's okay to fail, it's good to fail, don't worry about failing. And a lot of that I think is mentally getting you prepared for just how tough business is. But are we celebrating failure a bit too much?
0: The, The reality with failure, you think about your own life, right? And anything that's gone wrong, there is more lessons in that than things that go right. So it's actually the lessons that happens in failure and the fact that it hurts. And when when you fail, your body remembers it so much more than when you succeed. So it's actually, you know, absolutely, you're an absolute twat if you fail more than once in the same area, right? It's ridiculous, right? But be okay. To, the failing, what people are saying about failing is try things differently. It's not... You know, get a bad accounting system or, or get or hire someone poorly and go, whoops, I failed again in that one. It, it's actually encouraging people to try things differently.
1: When um, businesses go out there and we all think we're going to be billionaires, and we all we do genuinely think we're going to be the next Elon Musk. A lot of people do it. For me, it was a very big transition going from a practice accountant to a business and running my own business. I literally put my website up, changed my LinkedIn, said David Boyer, virtual CFO, financial leadership. And I just thought the money was going to come in. It really is a lot harder than that when you go out there. Um, when You sort of, I'm curious about your role as a a mentor to other startups and obviously that's a key thing that Shark Tank does. It's not only the money and the investments, the leadership you provide to people. Any tips about actually being a mentor to these ambitious business owners?
0: The key thing of being a mentor is actually listening. You can't help people unless you truly understand what they're saying. And, you know, if you think, if you go, I'm the mentor, so I'm the person that, you know, sits there and actually just, you know, soak up my wisdom if you think that well you're not a mentor because it's actually asking the right questions as a mentor because what you find being a mentor is they actually have the answers it's just giving them the confidence to trust their instinct and actually just ask the right questions for them to get to the answers themselves that's a true mentor
1: do you enjoy doing it
0: look I do I do when people listen you know, if I, if, you know, like the right mentee. Yeah, correct. You know, if I say to someone, look, I um, you know, if I give my time, which you know, I'm, you know, I've got kids and you know, busy life. If I give my time and I say to someone, look, I'm listening to what you're saying. Hey, I read a book, and I think that would be a really good book for you to have, and you know, because I think you'd really, it'd really help you with your business. And then next time I say I oh, had hey, that book, I haven't got to it. I would write them off because they're not listening. They're actually not, they're not trying to help themselves. And, you know, I'm a firm believer is that, you know, a formal education gets you a job. It's actually self-education that makes you successful. And it's the self-education that people need to do. And, you know, that's just how people are.
1: What was the last thing you read that really made you say, wow?
0: Oh, gee, that's a really hard question. I, I can't remember. <laughs> um, uh, actually, probably... Um, Actually, probably the thing that I read recently that made me go, wow, was don't send ducks to Eagle School.
1: Wow. They're never gonna soar.
0: There you go. No, the see I said well. And the reason being is it was actually from a in nineteen eighty eight from a guy called John Round. And he basically was saying, and I agree with him completely, he said, you know, what makes someone come in at six AM in the morning and want to be their CEO and other people come in at nine o'clock in the morning and what first thing they do is go get a coffee? You know, mysteries of the mind, right? What makes, um, you know, someone want to be, you know, want to save the world and someone want to own the world, right? There is no rhyme nor reason. So the, the key for that is is you have to put the right people in the right roles. You can't make a duck an eagle, right? A duck is a duck, right? You know, if, if you know, people go, let's motivate people. Well, if you motivate a loser, all you're getting is a motivated loser, right? <laughs> so you've, you, you actually have to make sure you look at your business and don't try and change people. People can't only change themselves.
1: But doesn't that, as a leader of a business or a group of people, you then have to accept a certain population in my group of people who are just losers and I'm going to keep them because they're doing something But do you you really have to accept that, hey, you know what, we've got some non-performers, that's the way it is, we all can't be superstars?
0: Yeah. If you accept that, then that's the type of business you have. You'll have a business that's mediocrity. You'll have a business that is, you know, that people actually strive to that bar, which is a pretty low bar. So are you not better to look at it as a team and go, I have a grand final I want to win? And the only way I win is every time I pass a ball to someone, they don't drop it. And if anyone's dropping the ball, well, they can't play on the team. So if you haven't got the philosophy of dropping off the bottom five to allow space for guns to come into your business well then good luck with your business.
1: I like that all the rule of bottom five I have a rule of bottom five as well my friends give me a lot of a lot of heat for it people who have wronged me in my life I have a list of the bottom five nice. and I, it's become a bit of a joke so I end up forgiving everyone anyway but it's important that bottom five that you, you always need to keep an eye out because it's weakest link theory right?
0: Yeah, and look, the other thing is, you know, there's not one of us can sit here and put hand on a heart and say we have been the nicest we possibly could and haven't really said or done something that isn't probably so nice. But I'm a firm believer you are the total sum of all the things you've done and not just one. And so, you know, I, I look at some of the things that have happened to me in my life and, and like all of them, you go, gee, there's some things that I prefer not to happen, but I wouldn't have changed anything because all the things that happens gives you resilience, gives you knowledge, gives you lessons, which actually makes you the person you are today.
1: If you're not the person to ax the bottom five, you, you actually are a bit mediocre, but you want to level up. That's a tough, that's a really tough change. You almost need to become tougher as a business person yourself. How do you do that?
0: Well, you, you get sick of being walked on you get yeah. you get you, you do as a leader no one respects a leader if you uh if you're in a um, a team of people and that team of people look and there's some guns in that team and that team sees you as a leader putting up with mediocrity or someone's continuing to let the team down all you're doing is motivating the guns and they'll go somewhere else or they'll get demotivated so what do you so you it's a no-brainer
1: Have you ever had something that you wanted to do, this really crazy ambition, just had absolutely no idea how to do it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was called Boost.
1: (laughs) But did you want Boost to be this big empire? Did you sort of want to start this thing and see how it goes? Because then you went to really rapid expansion really quickly.
0: Look, um, the you've got to remember my level of knowledge of business was zero when I started Boost. I didn't know the difference between debit and credit, no idea. So I went in thinking that, yes, we're going to expand and, yes, we're going to be big and, yes, that, you know, hey, why why can't Boost be as big as a Nike? Why not? Why can't it be as big as, you know, McDonald's as a brand? You know, why not? And so I went into it completely naive. You know, if I said to someone who had been there before and said, look, I'd really like to in four years go from zero to 150 stores, what do you think of that as an idea? He'd go, you're bloody mad, right? And then I would have gone, oh, then why well, better not do that? Because that's, he, he knows more than I do. So, But by not having any glass ceiling or any um, barriers, then you just do it. And, you know, every day you just find a way. And there's always a way
1: let's talk about debits and credits i'd love to say it's my favorite topic but it's not i I don't like getting into the detail we've got some great people in our business who are good at that but let's talk about the importance of a finance person on your team i read a great story about your first cfo that you hired who was basically a rock star and drove sports cars and i'd love to hear the story about hiring financial talent in the boost growth story
0: yeah look i'm a firm believer that anyone who starts their own business should do their own accounts Right, so because there's nothing like handling every single piece of paper and paying every bill and paying and working it out, and I also find that I don't like to be in business to be naive and have to rely on everyone. I want to have enough knowledge to be dangerous. So when I started, I was when I started Boost, I did all my own accounts. So I actually got an expert in from an accounting firm and not accounting firm, a software company, and actually just got started and got someone to stand next to me and go, right, okay, let's let's show me how to bloody do it. Anyway, well, the business got to a point where I thought, okay, I need someone smarter than me to do this and and get into it. And um, so I knew all my numbers and so, you know, I hired this girl. She had long blonde hair. She drove a blue sports car and um, she started and she was a disaster. And it was only a disaster when I actually got an investor in that went, mate, your numbers aren't making sense. And she wasn't ripping me off. She just did not know what to do and she just was out of her depth. And so I learned pretty quickly. So everything was a mess and I learned that you don't trust accountants because I got an accountant and he charged me 70 grand, which for me I I was a tiny business and that was an enormous amount of money to fix it and then went, well, I'm sorry we can't fix it and just left me with the same mess. It was so bloody Granthorne, anyway, um, back then. They're probably good now. Anyway, so then, you know, which, you know, for a young business, they're just, you know, you're just being ripped off. Then from there, really it was uh, we then got another guy in who um, was from, you know, who was a Coke ex, you from Coca-Cola. I thought, wow, okay, so he's really good. He didn't want to work that hard, you know. So I was like. Bloody hell, So finding the right person to in the right stage of your business was really hard. Like he said to me, like I was absolutely diligent. I made sure that I did bank recs every month. I knew my numbers, I found out the errors, I you know, I was really anal. And then suddenly this this guy who you know is clearly more senior than I and said, Oh, we don't do bank recs. I'm like, well, wouldn't you well that doesn't make sense, but all oh, he knows I don't. Anyway, um, one time I was
1: so it's crazy, it's, it's crazy. remarkable. Isn't it crazy?
0: Yeah. Now, I'm crazy, and then I remember sitting down and going, um, "Okay, well, this is me building 140 stores, 150 stores." And I said to him, "I said, look, we need a budget for next year." He said, "Oh, look, Janine, I'm just too busy for budgets, right?" And I went, and so instead of going get out, I went. Fine, I'll freaking show you. So I went home, and for the next week, worked till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, created an Excel budget with fifty-three pages, completely interlinked. Never worked with Excel before, and um and presented the budget. And the the board went, "Wow, this is great. Well done." I went, "Don't even look at him. Like don't." And but but the thing is, that even though it was as a leader, it was stupid. I should have just fired him. It actually taught me more about the business by actually pulling it apart and putting it together in a budget line by line than you could ever have really understood in your business. So in actual fact, every time I've stuffed up, I've learned an enormous amount from it, which just goes back to our previous questions of when you make mistakes, you know, what are you learning from it and what can you take into business? I mean, now, you know, full budgets, you know, I can actually now intuitively sort of like a code look through it and see where all the errors are.
1: Do you think we watch the show a lot? And everybody loves and everyone sort of the accountants laugh when people come up with crazy valuations and we love it when you ask a question about numbers and they don't know it. Yeah. We're like, oh, we would have known that. We're yeah. better than you. We're... It makes us feel good about ourselves sometimes. No. Do you, um, yeah, not a lot going on in the accountant's head really after billable hours stop. Does, um, does not every business owner can do the numbers by themselves. Like, there's just this skill set shortage that they have maybe it's an attention span thing and a lot of accountants will say let me do all of this for you you go and do what you're great at Mm. do you do you accept that
0: no i think that's really poor advice because if you don't understand your business you can't grow your business you can't make effective decisions in your business if you don't understand your numbers and the reality is if you can add divide and multiply and miners, you can do accounts. It is not easy. Business is really simple. You just make you make more income than you do expenses. <laughs> it's not hard. Uh, There's no more. It's no more difficult than that. And sure, you need to understand what comes the capital and profit loss and everything. But that's actually probably a two-hour session with someone, and you actually will know it. It's not difficult. And I think that if you go into it with that, because what they do is. They think it's the boring stuff. They don't realise that the numbers are a book and the numbers will actually tell you a story. And they'll tell you the story of are you being ripped off. They'll tell you a story of where your margins are, where you need to focus. It will tell you a story on, you know, when you need to get asked for cash. I mean, I'm a firm believer you always ask for cash when you don't need it. And the only way to do that is actually do solid cash flows, projecting forward. And it's just, but nothing is nothing's difficult. And so that's what people get caught up in, is the fact that they think it's difficult and it's not.
1: Uh, let's talk a little bit about retail. A lot of headlines saying retail's in a lot of trouble. The retail sector, you know, I can walk down Chapel Street in Melbourne and there's oh, a lot of boards sh- up. It's not what it used to be. <laughs> there used to be lines out the door at Boost Juice at Jam Factory. I think there might still be lines still out the door. Fine. Boost Juice is doing all right there. Um, is it that bad for retail? And if it is, what should retailers be doing?
0: Look, there's no way that um, people need, the retailers have to pivot and actually look that people, you know, at the end of the day, there's a massive chunk of money that's now gone into um, e-commerce, right? So you need to adapt. So, you know, maybe less bricks and mortar. Bricks and mortar will still exist, but maybe less. And, you know, then really focus on your e-commerce site. Everyone's just as part of what people do. I'm building a house right now. I've got a letterbox and a parcel box.
1: That's the one thing that's wowed me in the last six months. I never thought of that. That would make so much more sense. Every house should have a parcel box now. I come home every day. My wife's bought stuff for my kids. It's piling up out the front of the house.
0: Well parcel box. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Problem solved. That's that's the most that's the most innovative thing I've heard in the last long period of time. That's fantastic, Gene. A lot of business owners out there are listening. Um, a lot of them are trying to level up. That's a hard thing to do when you reach that first little vision that you have. Um, I interviewed Rod Drury last year. He said, "You know, the good visionaries just keep coming up with a bigger mountain."
0: Yeah.
1: How, if that's not naturally your state, how do you do it?
0: Look, I think that just if you, if you have a curious mind and that's the way it is and if that's not who you are, that's okay, find a partner who is. You know, the great teams are a combination of many different skills and you may not have that skill, but that's okay. Find someone who has. At the end of the day is, you know, when you're getting advice from accountants, make sure they have some business experience because quite often, you know, I'm a firm believer that accountants really has two roles in your life and that's asset protection and, and tax minimisation and really that's their main role. If you're starting to give them get advice on business advice, check what experience they have in business.